It is a Friday edition as we record episode 17 of Night Shift. Welcome in as always, Calgary Martin, Mike Stubbs. Join you here as your host where you can listen to us and Night Shift and all prior episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, as well as up at uh, globalnews.ca. Mike, thanks for covering for me. I was uh, a little under the weather earlier this week, but uh, I got my voice back. I'm back in action, and we got a lot to 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 kind of dive into here on the episode. Of course, the Knights playing a couple games in between, a couple honorable mentions we got to get to, and then you've got a couple stories from this week as well. <laughs> and they aren't stories really about stuff that's been happening on the ice. There's stuff that's well, it has happened off the ice. It's already in the past. One of the stories comes from way in the past, but it involves a very, very quiet, dark night in the middle of northern Michigan somewhere. So we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> uh, perfect. Sounds good. Uh, before we get to what's upcoming uh, this weekend, got a uh, quickly couple honorable mentions. Uh, Knights Ford Sean McGurn, OHL player of the month of November led all players with 20 points, including six goals, 14 assists in 12 games. And then Knights defenseman and draft eligible Oliver Bonk, OHL rookie of the month, led all rookies with 14 points in 12 games. Uh, astounding months for these two guys, Mike. It is incredible to see what these two have done. If you break down Oliver Bonk's month, he's a defenseman, remember, and he's very good in his own zone, but he's a guy that for the entire month, save for the very last game he played in Erie, had at least a point in every single game except for one. And in that one where he didn't get a point, he scored the shootout winner in Sault Ste. Marie. So that's the kind of month that he had. And Sean McGurn put together a 12-game point streak, and he's been somebody who's been contributing on and off the ice. He is one of the most unique hockey players in that his nickname – does not have really anything to do with his last name. He's actually had an evolution of a nickname that has now really kind of stuck in his overage year. When he came in, his name being McGurn, at 17 years of age, he immediately got called Magoo. And then that just got shortened to Goo, and now he gets Goober. And it's it's just, it's different than just how you, Bonky, Bonker, you know, all of the, the regular hockey names where you grab a Y or an ER, whatever fits best. So Sean McGurn not only has a very unique nickname, he's also got the player of the month honors and really well-deserved. He's somebody that is so good off the ice with this team. And then on the ice, last year he played with Luke Evangelista and they had such great chemistry. You go into the next year and you think, wow, you know, who's he going to find to play with and, and how's it going to go for him? And he has stepped into the big shoes and he's been the guy that everybody else wants to play with. And that's exactly the transition he wanted to make. And he's made it. Man, Mike, remember the beginning of the season where I think the Knights started one, three and one or two, four and one or whatever it was. And everyone was worried about the London Knights. Well, now that, a lot of things have changed. They've won six straight, nine of their last 10. They're currently second in their in the Midwest division, only a point behind the Owen Sound attack. And they're coming off of two wins this uh, past week, six to two against the Guelph Storm on Tuesday. And then a three to two overtime, or shootout victory, sorry, I should say, against the Erie Otters. They now take on Niagara tonight at home before going on the road in Mississauga to take on the Steelheads on Sunday. 
Yeah, it's been just a phenomenal month of November. We'll see what December brings. Seriously, this team has been putting up an awful lot of wins, an awful lot of road victories. They picked up another one in Erie, like you said, on Wednesday. And to look back and realize that this team was one of the last two, Knights and Kitchener, to win their first game of the year. And then the climb that they've been on until Owen Sound beat Barry. So from about 9.45 p.m. on Wednesday until about 9.30 on Thursday, they were in first place in the Midwest Division. The Knights had climbed all the way up into top spot, and they still have a game in hand that they can make use of as they take on the Niagara Ice Dogs. The Ice Dogs have had a bit of a challenging year. They have a new head coach yet again. They've done this a couple of times. Ryan Kuabara is now their head coach. They have some good good players on their team. Wait until you see Panofimus if you're headed to Budweiser Gardens for the game between the Knights and the Ice Dogs. And then a tough stretch coming up before the holiday break. The Knights will go to Mississauga, and then they will have their teddy bear toss game against the Oshawa Generals on Tuesday. And then it's wham, wham, Ottawa and Peterborough, the two top teams in the Eastern Conference. And then they finish it up with Owen Sound and Flint. So it will be a tough stretch for the London Knights from here until the end of this first portion of the season before the holiday break. But have they ever come into their own and you look at what the coaching staff has done I really think as much as the coaching staff will give the credit to the players I think you need to give the credit to the coaching staff for how they have these guys playing well that and and the confidence in some of these you know second year guys from last year who have really taken that jump uh Easton Cowan Denver Barkey you know the twins as everyone calls them have been leading the way uh and have really been at the forefront of it along with of course McGurn and Bonk and um George Diaco and Logan Mayu and all those guys they're getting contributions from Zach Bowen who got the shootout victory earlier this week and you know the line of Easton Cowan with Diaco and Barkey has been Really impressive. They have they have shown incredible chemistry together. And earlier this week against the Guelph Storm on Tuesday, and we'll talk about actually the uh, the jersey reveal in just a little bit here. They scored a goal with .2 seconds remaining in a period, Mike. And and you just the goal in itself for you is just like the anatomy of that goal specifically. Take us through your thought process on it. Well. I had a chance to sit down with all three guys who were involved, and you mentioned the chemistry that Diaco and Cowan and Barkey have had, and they get put together, and then they're taken apart and put together depending on who the Knights are facing, but they seem to be together more than they're apart lately. And you have a puck in the London zone with 10 seconds left in a period, and you're down 2-1, and you probably just want to get out of that period. And George Diaco looks up, and he sees Denver Barkey and Easton Cowan putting themselves into positions to maybe get something done. And so we had the three of them take us through what happened from that 10 seconds to go with the puck in the London zone until 0.2 seconds remained on the clock and Easton Cowan had put the puck into the Guelph Storm net. Diaco, former Hamilton Bulldog, won the OHL championship with them last year. Me and May, you were kind of fighting over the puck there and I kind of looked up and I saw uh, 10 seconds left and then I saw Barky open so I just threw a sauce to him. Feeds this one forward, here is Cowan. I was just kind of like... 
um, at the fire blue, waiting for like a tip in the zone just to waste the period. But I guess Diaco had other plans in mind. So dropping the barky, just kind of cheating for like a breakaway or something, and he, he made a really good pass. Three seconds left. I felt like a 2D kind of step up on me, and that's the reason why I made that pass. So uh, I, I, when I watched the video over, I saw all the guys, but in the moment, I was only only felt like one or two guys. I kind of just saw a little lane through the guy's stick when he stepped up on me, and I and I saw. Easton cheating for the net there, so yeah, I just saw a little lane through a stick and tried to make that pass. Yeah, it was a sick play, you know, he sauced it through the guy's stick and then I gave it right back to him and then, like you said, a bunch of guys swarmed in on him and then he made a great play and then I just took it to the net. In the moment, I didn't know I only had like a second left, but I kind of just kind of opened my blade and then I was hoping that he opened his five hole and he did, so yeah, it worked out pretty good. Easton Cowan! What a play! And the Knights have tied the game 2-2. So how do you like that? Easton Cowan says, I just wanted to put myself at the blue line so that somebody could fire the puck toward me and I would just tip it into the zone and and we'd run out the time. But Diaco has other ideas. Denver Barkey draws four Guelph Storm players to him. You really have to find the video on this goal and you have to look at it because Guelph just wanted to make the period end. He got the puck in across the blue line with three seconds left. All four Guelph players surround him. They're like these big fence posts. And Denver Barkey finds a way out of the corral and then finds Easton Cowan, who has snuck down by the net. And Cowan makes a move on the goalie. And really neat to hear. You know, I, he says, I just opened my blade. I'm hoping for the goalie to open his legs. He does. And the Knights score. And how big was that? They tie it 2-2. Guelph all of a sudden, instead of going into the dressing room with a lead, this is a fragile team. They were on a four-game winning streak, but they've done more losing this year than they've done winning. That seemed to rattle them a bit, and the Knights came out and controlled the game the rest of the way. Well, and it's, what's so cool, Mike, is, and, and you've experienced it, and you've talked to a lot of guys about it. I played a year of of junior when I was back in Burlington, and those type of plays are talked about by the players. Like it's not just, Oh, it just so happened to happen. Those are discussed internally within the locker room and on the practice ice, you know, they're going through the motions of, okay, if I get there in this situation, they probably talk about it before every face off. Hey, if you win it, I'm going to go here. You're going to hit me with the puck. I'm going to chip it in. You go to the left. I go right. You drive the net, like all of these little intangibles. And I think a lot of people who maybe don't follow hockey as closely or watch the game and everything's so on the fly or a bounce happens and all of a sudden something gets created. But a lot of it is drawn up and it's really cool to hear those three talk about the goal and you can just hear those conversations have been had before. Oh, sure. But at the same time, it's also being able to look around and just recognize from those conversations, all right, this is where I can go. This is what I can do. And the three of them to recognize, okay, I've got a vision in my head and you're going to see the same vision, and we're going to get there together. That was incredible. So it just shows the IQ on those players. And you look at the importance of Diaco on this roster. You look at the growth of Denver Barkey and Easton Cowan. Those are big stories from the first half of this season. Yeah, it really is. And and again, we've mentioned them earlier. They have been real catalysts and props to them and props to the coaching staff for really elevating them and getting them to a point where they were one of the last teams to get a victory and now sit a point out of first place in the Midwest division. And, you know, they got their fifth straight win earlier this week against the Guelph Storm, but they also unveiled their third I guess, retro reverse jerseys that are going to be featured again tonight, Mike. And 
lot of lot of positivity about it. Um, a little throwback with the logo, the all black jersey with the hint of white and gold. What'd you think of them? I started broadcasting London Knights games when they were wearing these uniforms, so I'm always going to love this idea. And we talked with Alex Brown about it, and we'll let you hear that in just a minute. We talked with him before this was unveiled. I don't know how they kept it secret. I really don't. They started working on this in June 2020. And the idea that you can keep a secret from June of 2020 until November of 2022, there are no secrets anymore. Stuff just gets out. People just see. They just find out. Something happens. There were a lot of people who kept quiet on this. And judging by the number of people going into the Knights Armories and buying up the merchandise, I think these are a hit. You're going to have some people say, oh, not that logo. But we've got to remember, those, you know, the idea that that logo was connected to the 360 and three season or times that weren't that great in Knights history. That's not entirely true because that logo is also tied to the Knights getting to within one win of an OHL championship in 1999. Some of the biggest playoff wins that people talk about beating the Plymouth Whalers in round two of that year. That was done in that uniform. So that uniform doesn't just have a negative connotation to it. It has very positive connotations to it. The Knights really built themselves up. And you don't realize how great the highs can be until you experience the lows. And that was part of that uniform. That was part of that logo. And now to give it the updated look with the black and the green and the gold, I think they look really sharp. And from a broadcasting standpoint and a fan standpoint, thank you for not just making the outlined numbers and having the numbers black with just a green or a gold outline. You can never read those. I don't, I don't understand who's designing uniforms these days because as a fan, you want to know who's on the ice. And if you can't read the numbers, it's no good. So, and as a broadcaster, well, you need to be able to read the numbers. So thank you because you can read the numbers. They are a light green on black, which doesn't clash nice and easy to find. Yeah, and uh, I, I've heard you call games where I, I think I've seen teams wear white on white with a tiny little hint of the outline, which does not make it any easier for you. And and you still find a way to do it, which is incredible. I, I do like the fact, Mike, that it is a throwback to not only one, but two different generations of Knights teams. And there is a lot of history to it. I think that's one thing that I had to go and, and search and learn was the history of the Knights logo. And where in the history that logo was used, what it represented, and how not just how they brought it back, but how they integrated it into the new. I think they did a good job at integrating the old with the new and how all the different memories, whether they were good or bad, are now kind of being transitioned into the now and what this team is doing today. And I like the simplicity of the colors. I like the fact they didn't, too, they didn't do too much with the sleeves. I got the one green uh, stripe within the one light gold one above it. Uh, the bottom, they got the stripes in the bottom, which any jersey that doesn't have a stripe on the bottom, I think is a, is a, is a toss out to me. So they did a great job with that. And then the logo, they brought the colors in. And, and like you said, they kind of mixed in a little bit of the new with the old logo. And I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan, too, and they are going to wear it a few times a year. It'll be used kind of as that alternate uniform, so think about NHL teams wearing some of their alternates. Same sort of thing, and we had a chance to talk with Alex Brown after the reveal and find out a little bit more about what went into all of this. 
We sat down as a team one day. Of course, this is during COVID, so there wasn't much going on in the Knights' office, as you can imagine. <laughs> and uh, we challenged one of our graphic designers, Adam Zawacki, who actually made this design in Jersey, and he did an incredible job. Um, we said, hey, let's start thinking about, like, what could we do for a third alternate jersey? Uh, what are the pieces of London Knights history that we could take from um, to do that? And we had a couple different logos that we were playing with, but I think, like you said, Stubbsy, we've had some of these throwback nights before with the purple and the teal, and, and the fans seem to love it now that it's come back after, you know, 20 years, let's call it. So uh, we stuck with it. We had a couple of these, uh, let's call it Spider Knight designs, and we went with this one. How much does merchandising mean to an organization like this? It's, it's huge, right? Yeah. A junior hockey. Um, so we're a gate-driven uh, league, right? We get our, our revenue from ticket sales, uh, sponsorship, and then merchandise. We get notes during the broadcast from all over the world. I was walking in the dressing room the other day. I saw a note from the Czech Republic. There Somebody, we go. We've been in New Zealand and yeah. Singapore already tonight. Where do you send this stuff around the world? <laughs> You know what? That's the that's the magical thing about social media, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, someone picks up on it. Maybe he's even a hockey fan or a London Knights fan, but kind of catches a glimpse of, hey, what's that? And uh, some of these things can go viral, and hopefully this one does. Yeah. Well, well congratulations. We'll it's it's uh, not an easy thing to do. I'm sure it's a nerve-wracking thing. Did you sleep much last night? You know, well, it has been a busy week. We hosted the OHL uh, business conferences here. We have one of our big sponsors, Agenda, host a meeting. So it's been on our mind all day, all week. Um, I'm just glad everything went well and uh, as planned. Well, it what, looks great. Was it a hard sell for Mark and Dale? Uh, I think it's okay for me to say on the radio that, yeah, it was. You know what? <laughs> uh, that was one of the things that they uh, got rid of when they bought the team. But it's the colors that really made them say, you know what? This looks cool. The black jersey. The players love it. And that's what's important. Make sure he's green. That is Alex Brown, Knights Director of Marketing and game day operations. And you know what the biggest thing, the biggest deal in all of this is, Kyle? They mm. wore the uniform, and then they won the game. <laughs> that, Alex, I'm sure, and, and he didn't get to this, but I'm sure that he was looking at the scoreboard. We talked to him in the second intermission and hoping that the score, the Knights were winning at that point, 5-2. to two, He was hoping the score stood up because you don't want to unveil something new and then have somebody say, well, it's kind of bad luck because we didn't win. No, it comes in as good luck, great luck right away. Oh, and then, uh, yeah, thank goodness, because you always get those big highs and then the game happens. And of course, they don't come out and get the victory and everyone's throwing the blame game. And so they got that one for the fifth straight. Then they go on the road to Erie when they're sixth straight. But Mike, after the game, you guys couldn't get out Wednesday. Could not get out. Could not get out. I'm <laughs> telling you, Kyle, this was the universe listening, though, because we got to Buffalo. All right. We're on our way to Erie. We get to Buffalo. We get to the border. And everybody's looking around saying, hey, didn't Buffalo get enough snow to cover a football stadium recently? They Where's did. all the snow? And that was kind of a question that was being asked as we pulled up and went through the border. And wouldn't you know, we get to Erie, no snow on the ground, none anywhere. Very windy day, no snow. And then during the game, it snowed probably three to five inches, if we're going to keep it in American terms. And it was snowing. And so we tried to get on the interstate, and you just couldn't see anything. It was slippery. The it was wind bad. was blowing. And immediately the decision was made to say, hey, we're not going to continue home because these conditions look like they're going to stay from Erie, Pennsylvania to Buffalo, New York. So 
fortunately, the next turnoff had a hotel at it, and boom, we stayed. And that's the second time this has happened. And again, thank you to yeah. the universe. I mean, the, the universe may have dumped snow on us to show that, yeah, well, we can make it snow anytime we want. But at the same time, this is the second time this has happened. I can remember coming home from Sault Ste. Marie. This is a long time ago. But we leave Sault Ste. Marie, and we get far enough into Michigan because we come home through the United States, we get far enough into Michigan that you are basically at nowhere road and can't get there from here highway. That's you are in the middle of nothing. And all of a sudden the bus conks out and it won't restart. And we're on the road, on the road, on this, we're on the side of the road and the bus is not starting. It is pitch black like you look out you can't even see a light and so we're wondering like what do we do you know are are we gonna have to spend the night in a freezing cold bus this was in the middle of winter and and find a way to try and keep warm until morning i mean it's by then it was probably around midnight somewhere around there and jim mckeller who's now uh, an amateur scout with the chicago blackhawks was with the knights and started making phone calls because at least we could get a cell signal somehow. And so he started making phone calls and there was a hotel that was about three miles up the road. And it was there as basically a snowmobile camp. And then hunters stayed there in the summer. And this is no joke. It was in the middle of nowhere, but just at least you're still on the interstate. So it's just off the interstate. And we were able to get vans. I don't know if the hotel had the vans. I don't remember who had the vans. But going shuttle, 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 you know, few guys by few guys, we got everybody and the equipment to the hotel, stayed the night in the hotel, new bus came in the morning, and we made it home. So that's the second time that I can remember, at least in the last, you know, 25 years of night's history, where you've had an issue and magically, miraculously, a hotel has appeared. (laughs) <laughs> just out of this, out of the, out of the, out of the blue, just when you thought all hope was lost. Uh, <laughs> wow. I can only imagine in the moment, something like that, where you're just like, it's the most dreadful thing. It's cold. It's pitch black. You just want to get to where you're going. And then of course that circumstance happens, but what a story to tell afterwards. Uh, hopefully I'm glad all you guys got home safe afterwards after you had to stay in and, and you found the hotel, but Man, there's going to be a lot more stories as we continue on here. Uh, That does it for the episode today. Thank you, as always, for everybody for uh, listening in and keeping up with us. Uh, We are on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, globalnews.ca as well. The games tonight and on Sunday are broadcast live on 980 CFPL. You can follow myself and Stubbs on social media at Kyle Grimard, G-R-I-M-A-R-D, and at Stubbs 982 Bs. Uh, Stubbs, we will see you tonight. Here's hoping the Knights can extend their winning streak to after Sunday, eight games. Look forward to it. Thanks, Kyle.